Risk Chats with a Firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we head on over to NASA and speak with them about their unique approach to risk management and how they got their enterprise risk management program up and running. So without further ado, let's talk to NASA. Today I'm visiting with uh, NASA and their ERM program, and I'd like to, we have three folks here, please introduce ourselves. Let's start with Sharice. Hello, I'm Sharice Akil. I am the Internal Control Program Manager um, here at NASA within our Quality Assurance Division within OCFO, and I work on the ERM program here at NASA. Hello out there in podcast land. This is Frank Peterson. I am the uh, Director of uh, Quality Assurance in the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, and I am uh, pretty much in charge of the Enterprise Risk Management Program for NASA as delegated by the Chief Risk Officer. Hello there, my name is Larry Shaw and I'm on detail from the uh, Johnson Space Center, Houston, Texas, helping this team out with Enterprise Risk Management. Yeah, and by the way, Sharice and I both work out of headquarters yeah. okay. at NASA. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, so I want to go through a few things, kind of the history of your program, where you are today, where you see the future coming. Um, so why don't we just start off a little bit of history. Uh, you know, it seems like NASA has a unique risk culture. I mean, that's very inherent in what you all do. So why don't you guys tell me a little bit about the history of uh, NASA's kind of risk culture? Yeah, on the risk culture, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, we do have a, a rich uh, risk uh, culture here. Obviously, what we do each day is uh, trying to do great things with Moon and now going to Mars, possibly uh, you just start in a on a risk-rich environment. Uh, Larry Shaw, though, has been with uh, NASA for over 30 some years now, if I may, and he he can really give us a some real from uh, from the ground up type uh, background on the risk culture here. Okay, thank you, Frank. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, as Frank said, I've been around for a while, and uh, I go for us back to the late 1999s when we started risk management for the most part here at, uh, within the agency. And then uh, we migrated to uh, what we would call the enterprise risk management activities in the last several years, and uh, that activity was kind of mandated by uh, OMB, and we've kind of come forward to develop a framework here at uh, headquarters and we've capitalized on all of the existing risk management activities that we currently have in place, and we build our program based on the, the existing risk management activities uh, within the agency. And I think that was a great start for us, and uh, you will find out that we see this as a process that will continue to mature over time. So with that, I'll throw it back to Frank or Sharice and let them ad-lib as well. Yeah, the thing, the thing, the interesting thing about how, how we got uh, the enterprise risk management program within the internal control division. We actually were looking at compliance with the uh, requirements of the OMB circular that came out and trying to get ahead of the curve on that. We initiated a, a process just to see, evaluate sort of where NASA is with regards to enterprise risk program in relation to the requirements. And so we were just endeavoring to just, you know, figure out if there were gaps. And as we were doing that, and as we were doing the interviews and talking to folks, and we started to realize they're, they're pretty much that, that NASA had enough already in place that it wouldn't be a heavy lift to actually go to the enterprise level program 
And as we were talking to the folks in the A-suite and the administrator and the deputy administrator, and we were saying, hey, look, we can do this without a whole lot of heavy lift and without necessarily reinventing the wheel here, we think we can get in compliance pretty quickly. And we weren't volunteering for the job, but we were handed the job based on they liked the, the, our approach to, to possibly uh, making this happen without a whole lot of heavy lifting and a whole lot of really reinvestment into basically, as Larry said, 30 years of risk management culture already in place, we were really able to just sort of gather the activities that were already going on and sort of uh, building a program around and leveraging around a lot of the activities that were already underway for years. Right, so yeah, you had the situation where you had programs and uh, they already had, they're already looking at risk obviously for years, so it's just, how do we kind of pull this all together into an enterprise program, and really just to report it up so folks know what's going on? That you are, you are, you know, you are looking at it holistically, so to speak. But NASA has already been tracking these things for years. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, we're talking. Uh, really, a system was pretty much already in place. And, and when I go and I've done a lot of presentations and, and shared NASA's practices and. You know how we do our ERM program. I, I say to folks, and I remember being over at the Architect of the Capitol, and, and, and they gave a great presentation on how they had a key challenge. Uh, they had to get the Capitol ready for an inauguration, and they had to do some major challenges. And, and when I got there, I got there. I got. They did the presentation about the things that they were doing, and I said, you know, you can't accomplish those kind of achievements that you accomplished in such a short period of time if you didn't already have generally enterprise risk management in place, you probably are already doing that in some form or another. And I say that most folks, even, uh, you know, any good manager is probably doing some form of enterprise risk within their particular enterprise. It's just how do you uh, make it uh, tangible and and, and be basically deliberate about it. And and really, when you think about it, it is not a real heavy lift for most folks. If a good manager is already pretty much doing enterprise risk management. And when I do presentations, I say, you know, when I grew up, I was doing enterprise risk management every day when I left the house because my lunch wouldn't have made it to school with me if I hadn't done proper enterprise risk protection and and analysis to get from home to school each day. And so when you leave your house in the morning and you're trying to get to work, you pretty much are doing enterprise risk management as a natural, you know, just a a survival skill. Right. And just to add to that, Taking a step backwards, um, again, our enterprise risk management process was built on what we called our continuous risk management process, where we had several um, elements involved in our continuous risk management process, which basically consists of identify, analyze, plan, track, and control risks. And we, we taught that throughout the agency, so every organization is aware of continuous risk management in one form or another. So. Being that we had that in place, we just decided, okay, if you're doing it in the down and in organizations, hey, you can look across the all of those organizations and see which of those risks actually affect the enterprise, right. as opposed to being systemic within those existing silos and so forth. So that's kind of what we did, and, and I think we added a lot of value by not going in trying to affect what was already in place, but right. to build on what was in place, and then look at the cross-cutting effects that they were having as it relate to the enterprise. Right, so then by building this program, did you find that now there was a little bit more sharing across what may have been more silos in the past, or is that something that's happening more so? 
Well, yeah. we are seeing an interchange of data at this time, okay. uh, probably a little bit more than what we've seen in the past. But for the most part, uh, the enterprise risk that we are uh, discovering nowadays, we're having those conversations at the higher leadership levels as opposed to the down and end levels, you know, and mainly because they've already been fleshed out at the lower levels. Yeah, yeah when we did our initial interviews and we interviewed folks in the A-suite and, and, and across the sort of highest echelons of the organization, they were able to articulate their key risks almost to... Uh, almost to the uh, identification of uh, 10 to 12 key risks. Most every organization had some form of that already in their thought process. And uh, as we did those interviews and we started to realize that there's a natural uh, process that NASA undertakes with its governance model, and we were able to articulate basically that because of the way NASA operates, we call it the Unified uh, Comprehensive Operational Risk Network. It's a unicorn, basically, model that there is a organic way that the risks flow to the top of the organization. And once we were able to uh, pretty much validate that the risks were pretty much already on the top of every everyone's minds, we knew then that it didn't need a huge sort of uh, infrastructure uh, investment. It was pretty much human human intelligence was already uh, available that clearly uh, gave us a, a real solid uh, uh, enterprise risk list. So, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the uh, genesis of this specific ERM program. I mean, is this something you guys really kicked off, part of it from the OMB mandates, or, you know, because you're already doing risk management for years, yes. but what, how'd you decide to do this? actual official program, you know? So actually, yeah, so the OMB guidance, uh, the update um, requiring this actually what is what started it. However, um, you know, as we started to look, we already do risk management here and we do it well. So just leveraging what we already had and also not being so prescriptive to, to the guidance, but really taking a step back and see what makes sense for NASA, what makes sense for us in building our program around that. Um, and so I think, um, you know, that was the charge from our leadership from day one. You know, of course, we want to make sure we're in compliance, but let's really take a step and step back and look at what makes sense for our organization. Um, and, and that's what we did. And I think that's why everybody has fallen in line, because we really, truly did leverage what was already in place. Yeah, and we are, we are able to show value right from the very beginning. I think that's to get the buy in and, and to show the value and, and also uh, Clearly, the uh, senior leadership was was uh, really wanted something that was efficient, but really wanted an effective approach that uh, that worked for NASA. And, and we feel like, uh, as I was having conversations with uh, the administrator at that time, Robert Lightfoot, and you know when there was some discussion about whether we would or wouldn't do the uh, enterprise risk management program and whether it was an unfunded mandate and it was still in draft and so there was a lot of discussion about whether or not to do this but i think the one of the things i said at that time was to the administrator i said you know from our analysis and the way we do risk we almost owe it to the american public to do this and show folks how to do it right because it's almost like we have lightning in a bottle. If we could capture our enterprise risk management program and our approach, it is really a model, not only for the federal government, but even private sector. We have an outstanding program. And I've really, you know, wanted to persuade them to pursue this. And, and I think the administrator was 
clearly, clearly having been around NASA for 30 years and seeing it at the center level and at the, you know, the shuttle and some of the station days, I think he was clearly on board that, yeah, they, we have to kind of pursue this and, and show the world basically that the way. So what are I mean? So what are some of the mechanisms of your program? You know, now that you are your program's been up for a few years, you know, how often do you you go out there and reassess, or how often do you meet with senior leadership to let them know what's going on, or how are they kind of taking it in to how they run you know the, the programs or the, the agency, so to speak. You know, the uh, as I mentioned, we have a pretty strong governance model, and when we you know were that was a great question to to to, to that got us. Uh, in the initial phases of how do we socialize this and how do we, what's the best uh, venue for sort of discussing the risks and so forth. We have a, a, a quarterly a BPR along many other meetings uh, that we, we actually present out on the enterprise risk list quarterly and then we do annual updates. That's what's called the Agency Program Management Council. And those venues already have the key leadership in place and that BPR, Larry, you can help me out, but the BPR, which is uh, which was held pretty much monthly by all the key mission directors, they're already meeting and they're bringing in their key risks uh, up to the A-suite and up to the senior management so that there there's no surprises, basically. Uh, so we, we, we go to those meetings and listen out for sort of uh, things that we see may be systemic and so forth. And so, But Larry has been really instrumental in helping us uh, put all that together because he's the one-man army. So Larry, go ahead. I want to steal your thoughts. No, no, no. You're doing great, Frank. Uh, uh, in fact, I think you've just about said all we need to say on that subject. I'll add a couple of other things. Uh, you know, uh, you're absolutely right in that uh, we have an awesome framework in place and uh, the fact that we go to these meetings, we, we not only go to the meetings, but we also meet with the different organizations on recurring frequencies to make sure that uh, we understand the risks that they are identifying on a recurring basis. They carry their list, we take a look at their list, and we're looking for those systemic things that would affect the entire enterprise. Uh, also, just recently, we've set up an enterprise risk management working group, which I think is really gonna serve and prove very valuable for this uh, enterprise risk management activity. Uh, recently, uh, we set this group up a couple of months ago, and uh, we've turned out some great products. Uh, we met with our senior management uh, just recently uh, as of the other day, and they like the direction that we're headed in. So we really think we're on the right track, you know. And right. I think we got, like Frank said, we have an awesome enterprise risk management process in place. Right, and then that yeah. BPR I mentioned, that's the baseline program per review. Baseline performance per I'm sorry, baseline performance review. Right. And all and the key mission directorates come in and, and present there. Yeah, mission directorates and mission support directorates, mm -hmm. yeah. So I think one thing for other agencies that are trying to get you know their programs going is sometimes they have issues with buy-in from senior leadership or maybe it's a tone at the top. I mean, what you know what what is the the approach to leadership that really gets them on board with a program? You know, I mean, I know you guys already had a risk culture to start with, but you know, why you know what what kind of convinced them to do it enterprise-wide and you know bring things together? Yeah, we we've 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 reached out and talked to folks uh, quite frequently about this, and some folks have even come over, and, and I was surprised that they were, you know, NASA by tone at the top is really the key. Mm -hmm. uh, we have extremely outstanding leadership at NASA, best place to work in the federal government, mm -hmm. and and largely because of the leadership and the mission, and people have great buy-in for that. 
And so tone at the top is really critical. Um, the, the key to folks who maybe have to kind of, you know, sort of persuade management and, and I, I think my example I reused earlier, in a lot of cases, a lot of this is already going on and I think you have to sort of, you know, you have to figure out how to, how to sell the value of enterprise risk management and it's not a check the box exercise. Uh, and try to uh, leverage existing activities that are already in place. That went a long way for us. Once, you know, there was a lot of discussion about whether we do or do not, but once we were able to show, you know, there's pretty much a lot of this is already going on. You know, getting the buy-in at, at the leadership level, I, I, I think that, you know, you, you have to, in, in, as an individual, if you can show value and uh, if you have examples of where enterprise risks could be helpful if you're able to even categorize some of the risks that you may think are already out there that that would be uh, could could benefit from a uh, enterprise look. You know, those are some good things to bring forward to to the leadership, and uh, just got to keep working it. And of course, the firm and some of these other uh, training exercises are already out there. There's a lot of. Uh, even the Green Book with the principles and standards and so forth, there's a lot of information out there and even private sector. One of the things we did was we actually had the private sector, some folks come in from uh, some of the bigger firms and, and take a look at what our concepts were. And so they were immediately saying that we were on the right track. So that kind of helped too. Uh, so that's a little bit of a branding. I don't know if everybody can, can kind of afford that. But in, in, in a lot of cases, you'll if you talk to some of the bigger firms, they'd be glad to come out and do a presentation for you uh, to, to, you know, to, to present to leadership. Uh, that, that would be one avenue. Sharice yeah. uh, Larry, you got yeah. anything? Yeah. Why you talk? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think um, I totally agree with what you said and the fact that we were able to dem demonstrate value at the beginning. We had the tone at the top um, because it was coming from, at the time, the acting administrator saying, you know, this is what we're rolling out and that, you know, we just took a common sense approach to really, again, leveraging what we already had and just building on top of that. I think um, it didn't seem like a heavy lift across the board, and that's why we, we got the buy-in that we did. And, right. and it went a long way with really kind of the speed in which we were able to really formalize our program. Yeah, and uh, uh, one of the things we also did was we did enterprise risk management. We did road shows. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And we actually went out and, and, and uh, spent some quality time with with pretty much uh, every, third, organization. Yeah, yep. every organization yep. in NASA and uh, we had some very strong I want to give a shout out to Frank Robinson Jr. who yes. you know who retired uh, only shortly after we got this going but uh, he was very instrumental and of course Larry had already been there so Sharice and I were, were basically accountants and so you know we had no idea uh, you know we got this assignment we're like uh, you know, whoa, this is interesting. Uh, better get some experts. And so Larry and uh, Frank Robinson Jr. were experts in risk, and it was interesting. When we did the road shows, almost every time we went somewhere, somebody would say to Frank or Larry, ah, I haven't seen you in a long time, and they were shaking hands. And, and it was really good to have those that expertise. So if you're a financial person and you're trying to do enterprise risk management, you need to get some of the folks that are, that are uh, uh, in that particular field to support you and, and go out and reach out to the folks because they could talk the language. Uh, Larry and Frank were both engineers, you know, and so a lot of the engineering programs and, and directorates and science and they could talk the talk and, and so so it was it was really helpful to do that and socialize it so that it's not 
you know, when you talk internal controls to somebody, like I, I don't, it's like the flu. I, you know, those are yours. <laughs> Keep those over there. Sure. And my legacy one day, if I ever had a legacy that I wanted to leave, is like everyone understands their role in internal controls because it's the people are really the key internal control component. And same thing with enterprise risk. It's the people. It's human intelligence. It isn't like a check-the-box activity. Yeah, Very good, Frank. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the road shows. Uh, I thought that was really value-added in that uh, what we did in the road shows, in addition to what Frank has already mentioned, is that we had a subset lists of risks at the time. And basically, we socialized that data with all of the uh, officials in charge, and we gave them an opportunity to take a look at our list and say, okay, do you feel like this is complete? Do you feel like this represents the enterprise? Right. And uh, we got a lot of support in that we were headed down the right path. Also, we had some of them to uh, step up and say, hey, what about this? What about that? So we were able to add to our <clears throat> enterprise list through the roadshow process, you know, and when we finalized that, we were able to come back into uh, the, the top, uh, the A-suite here and socialize that data into the A-suite and let them know that after going out, this is what we have. Right. And when they looked at it, they said, wow, this is great, you know. In fact, uh, they, they thought it was right size, you know, mm -hmm. uh, from the standpoint that, you know, if the list was too big, that maybe we didn't do our job properly, but it was, it was right on, on target. So uh, I think the road shows really added a lot of value here. So something I'm curious about. So, uh, is the ERM program? You know, where exactly is it situated here? Because I know you, you mentioned your accountants. So it's a part of the CFO shop. Is it a different? What what level is it at, and how does that work here? Well, it's uh, <clears throat> well, we actually uh, were were recruited and voluntold by <laughs> the associate administrator and and basically the deputy associate administrator. Uh, at the time, the acting administrator, and I guess even Charlie Bolden, was the administrator, and basically they felt like they owned all of those enterprise risks. We had such a strong list, and they said, yeah, you know, all of these are in the right level. We are the, the, the unit that needs to look at this. And, of course, they have uh, uh, folks that are working it mm -hmm. that report into that A-suite. So... Uh, that's pretty much we are working even though we're in the CFO shop we work basically at the behest of the administrator associate administrator and, and deputy associate administrator we meet regularly with the associate administrator and the deputy administrator and when we do meet with the administrator we we get a chance to share the list with with, with the administrator as well mm -hmm. uh, so we are at the highest uh, highest levels of the organization and when you look at our enterprise risk list not only does it cover like NASA's enterprise risk but we're almost into industry risks. Some of our risks really are a part of the environment that we work in. We work in space, so you have issues around space that are on our list that we actually need not only other federal entities to help us with, but worldwide organizations. We have risks on our list that are international concerns for space flight. So uh, we, we, you know, clearly uh, the folks that, that are at the highest levels of, 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 of NASA and even in the federal government are working some of these risks. Yeah. Well, let me ask a little, a little different topic here. So uh, let me just talk about your NASA's risk tolerance a little bit. You know, what, uh, how would you characterize that? I mean, I know you have some very inherently risky programs and missions and things like that. So how do you all, you know, characterize your risk tolerances? 
Yeah, I, I think Larry is probably the best person yeah. to cover that. And um, I just want to, just, just as a segue into that a little bit, we recently had a town hall about our, our, our mission to Mars, Moon, Moon to Mars new, new program that's being announced. And in the town hall, we had uh, organically a lot of our key risks come up, and the administrator is there talking about, hey, we got to achieve this great thing in five years, but at the same time, we have to be attentive to some of those uh, key concerns that we've always had with safety and so forth. But go ahead, Larry. No, I think you're spot on, Frank. Uh, the bottom line, when it comes to uh, risk tolerance, basically, uh, it's, it's not just risk tolerance in general. It's risk tolerance as it relates to the program or project that we're working on. Right. So uh, most of that is inherent within the program manager's activities. They, as a team, they identify what they think is the appropriate levels to uh, either burn those risks down. So risks come into the process, they look at them and they decide, okay, what is the acceptable level? Or what is my tolerance that I can accept regarding this risk? And from there, they set it as a team and they try to march that to those levels and try to burn the risk down to a level to where now they can move forward, you know. So we don't necessarily uh, spend a whole lot of time worried about what our risk appetite is or so forth because we think it's based on what can we tolerate. Right. Yeah. So that's where we are with the risk tolerance concept. Yeah. Well, and NASA too, I mean, has got years of experience of this is going to be a risky endeavor, so yes. here's all the things we're going to do to mitigate that as much as possible. As much as possible. Within the budgets and the constraints and the whole thing, right? Yeah. So Absolutely. You've already got the tools yes. to, to deal with this, which is, yeah. again, an advantage over a lot of folks, you know, that don't really think about it to this level. Yeah. Um, now, has any of that crept into sort of more of the operational or financial, you know, things that aren't as life safety concerned, you know, some of those techniques for risk mitigation coming across <coughs> in those other areas, too? Well, then IT, again. Budgets, whatever, you know. Yeah, again, uh, you know, part of our training process kind of evolved from the risk management general training process. Mm -hmm. And within that training process, there are some built-in tools that people become aware of, you know, whether it be the financial team being trained on it, there are tools that they need to be able to uh, uh, analyze, track, plan, and control their risk. So whatever those tools are, that's what they use. On the technical side, they use a different set of tools. They may use, when it comes to analyzing their risk, they may use some things like fault tree analysis, or FMEAs, or hazard analysis, and so forth. So they use all these basic tools to help figure out, you know, how they're going to manage these risks. And from there, you know, those tools become inherent. They go help people become specialists as it relates to some of these tools. And all that information comes together, and at the end of the day, they can decide. Uh, have they done their homework? Have they worked this risk properly to get it to an acceptable level? So that's what it comes down to. Okay. Yeah, but, but on your question about financial risk, and, and what's interesting is about, you know, I, I think it's a blessing in a way that we have actually adopted the Enterprise Risk Management Program because we have been dealing with financial risk and financial statement audit and uh, our A123 program, and so we're able to kind of get an excellent confluence of all the risks uh, both financial and management and technical and uh, you know when I first got here uh, I came in we had a disclaimed audit opinion for almost a decade and we're able to institute internal controls and a continuous monitoring program and Sharice and her team now do A123 appendix A as well as the management controls all of that is right within our bailiwick and so we're able to really look at risk tolerance and from financial risk of course our current CFO Jeff DeWitt is very uh, focused on ensuring that we continue to have a 
clean opinion and we don't have anti-deficiency act violations and the current administrator Jim Bridenstein while is very focused on ensuring a safe flight and, and so forth so we have safety culture we have a office of safety management and assurance is very focused and so it's really a great place like a one-stop shop for all the critical critical things that we need to do to to basically be an ongoing concern, if you will, right. is all within our shop. So we have Larry sort of handling a lot of the risks that are more technical in nature. Sharice uh, runs the financial risk under her units. And so uh, we, we actually have a very strong quality assurance program that is probably the model in which if you had a model that OMB kind of wanted to prescribe, I think we kind of fit uh, pretty much right in that uh, right in that, that perfect balance of, of all of the things that you need to control uh, to meet your objectives. We have it all here in one shop. Right. And we have, the, we have a, a strong voice and we have a very uh, close connection to the A-suite, to the CFO, to all of the top officials in the agency. Actually, Sharice, let me ask you, so, so then how, how does the internal control program kind of feed off the ERM or vice versa? You know, have you guys integrated those things or how does that work? Well, fortunately, I, I kind of manage it all. So I do um, A123, our, our assessments, and then also have a um, tie into ERM and also our agency statement of assurance process. Okay. So because I have insight to all of those, it, it kind of just happens organically. Um, if one thing comes up in one area, I'm able to automatically apply or see what the impact would be on the others. Um, so I, again, I think that's the benefit of having it kind of in the OCFO shop, if you will. Um, and the fact that we do have direct tie-in with our A-suite folks. Um, and again, all those are agency-level products that we work. So again, if one, if an item comes out on one um, assessment or risk assessment or testing, whatever, there is um, kind of just cross-pollination, if you will, just because of how it's centrally located here. Right, right. Yeah, yeah and what we have is basically we've, uh, Sharice designed a, uh, what we call the CES, which is a, it's a control. Control environment summary. A control mm -hmm. environment summary, and that's uh, based on the 17 principles in G GAO 17 principles. And on, um, we added some questions on enterprise risk there to cover that as well. So that's where we integrate the two. We actually have an interesting challenge uh, this year. We're looking at uh, a few, uh, a new, possibly a new question to add into our process that takes one of the key enterprise risks and and brings it into our annual uh, statement of assurance process to uh, get folks to weigh in and, and basically place accountability not only on that organization that sort of leads it but there's a lot of inputs that have to come in from other organizations to solve this problem and so we're trying to uh, sort of look at that uh, sort of uh, sort of in integration right there within our statement of assurance process okay well I have just one more question for you guys um, you know where are you now maturity wise where would you like to be the next couple years you know what, what is sort of the future of the program uh, well, I think we've come a long way. Uh, we've only, I, I guess we've been at it for a couple, three years now. Uh, we had a great head start and uh, we had a strong foundation to begin with. On the maturity model, we're starting to now talk about, uh, we, we feel we got a very strong list of our enterprise risks. We have a very strong program with the Enterprise Management Working Group and we have very good uh, focus and attention. So we have a robust sort of uh, culture of enterprise <coughs> risk and, and so now I think some of the next levels are 
uh, how do we move sort of towards uh, you know getting some of these risks uh, into the the budget process and right. how do we really get folks to focus on you know when they're looking at their planning forward planning to get these enterprise risks into sort of the strategic planning process the SOAR process the budget process so that that the culmination and what the A11 requires uh, I, I think that we're starting to really start to look at that and say well what comes first the chicken or the egg if you have you know before we didn't have a uh, enterprise risk list per se but folks were working it within their particular you know risk management processes and within their individual budget processes and now we're looking at well so uh, how how do we ultimately get the uh, using the information we have we have some really good information about risk how do we get it into the decision-making uh, process uh, from the beginning at the at the at the way upstream uh, rather than now trying to look back and say, well, where did we budget for this, or you know, how are we handling this? We just want to get that enterprise risk list out front into the uh, the minds of of the decision makers right at the beginning of the budget process. This is a particularly rich time to try to to try to do that as we start to endeavor into uh, moon to Mars. We're uh, you know we're possibly going to have an entire new mission directorate and so this would be a really good opportunity to start to say as we're investing in our future for the next 50 years let's take a look at our key enterprise risks and see if we can sort of make sure we're attentive to those as well because right. the, the the tendency is to always buy new and go straight for the for the new and uh, shiny object but a lot of times that 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 takes you away from your infrastructure and some of the some of the uh, systemic problems that that are chronic in some cases uh, you, you don't want to miss out on curing some of those as you look to your future yeah, and I would say for me one of the benefits I've seen from having um, a formalized ERM program is is that down and in risk management but on the mission support side I mean typically it's there on the um, programs and projects but one of the values that we saw is even within OCFO, we have we now have a formalized risk management process. And not to say it wasn't done before, but again, it, it's more formalized, it's more pointed, it's more um, direct, and it's well supported by our CFO and the, the senior level folks um, within OCFO. So I would just like to see a continuation of that on the mission support side is, is really having that more formalized down in risk management. And so the, the information that flows out of that um, um, are the true and key um, inputs that are needed for our enterprise level um, risk management. So I, I would say from my perspective, I think that's been a value add and I would like to see a continuation of that. Larry, what's on your wish list there? Oh, well. <laughs> well, I want to echo uh, what Frank and Sharice has already said, to be honest about it. I want to say just ditto to all of that. <laughs> uh, but the bottom line, um, I see also that as our enterprise risk list continue to evolve, it will become the dashboard for our leadership. You know, that's what it will be. And from there, they'll be able to look at that at the push of a button or whatever and see what those things are that affect the enterprise. And also, as we start making it global within the, the agency here, we start pulling the programs and projects in as appropriately, and then they can look across it at a glance and find out these are my top risks that I need to really be dealing with from an enterprise standpoint. Right. So I think the integration of all of that activity is where we want to be at the end of the day, and therefore uh, uh, it becomes really a truly uh, management tool for management to start figuring out where the budget line goes, how am I doing in these areas, 
because I think with the risk, you gotta, like Frank said, you gotta add some budget to it. You know, you gotta follow the budget line right. and see how you're gonna mitigate these things because we're not just trying to develop a list just to have a list. <laughs> we wanna make sure that, yeah, yeah. 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 We wanna make sure we're managing this as well. So okay. that's where I see what's going. Well, on that note, I appreciate everybody. Larry, Frank, Charisse, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, I really appreciate it. I think it was a good, great feedback today. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate it. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Check us out at affirm.org. You can find all our podcasts with all our illustrious guests that we've had. And as always, we're always looking for new ideas, new topics, new guests. So give us a shout out. Let us know what you'd like to hear. So until next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Wrist Chats with Affirm. Mm-hmm.